Thanks to Clear for supporting Industry Focus. Clear uses your eyes and fingertips instead of traditional ID documents to get you through security faster at airports and stadiums. Get your first two months of Clear for free by going to clearme.com slash full2019 and using the promo code full2019. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every single day. Today is Wednesday, May the 8th. And we're talking healthcare. I'm your host, Shannon Jones, and I am joined via Skype by MedTech guru, Brian Feroldi. Brian, so glad to have you on the show because we're continuing with the theme of earnings this time, digging into MedTech in the world that you know very near and dear to your heart. Uh, Brian, how's it going? Shannon, it's going awesome. And you are right, we are in the throes of earnings season right now. So lots to talk about this week. Lots to talk about. So for our listeners, we're going to uh, kick off earnings bonanza med tech style this week. We're going to dive into the winners and the losers um, that have come out of earnings. We've got some notable ones for sure. And so let's kick things off with our first loser. It's a company called Abiomed, that's ticker symbol ABMD. Uh, Brian, I can just say for this company, 2019 has not been very kind (laughs) to this heart pump maker. Um, Stock has been down about 20% since the start of the new year, really off of some safety concerns from the FDA. But when we're talking about earnings, it sounds like we're starting to see some of those concerns start to hit their top line. Yeah, and, and that's really shocking because this is a company that has been an unbelievable performer for many years now. And for those that uh, need a refresher, Abiomed makes minimally invasive uh, temporary heart pumps that are put into a patient's body either after they have a heart attack or before a high-risk surgery, and that lowers uh, their risk profile and it helps them to recover faster. And these guys are basically the only company that does what they've done, and they have just gone at grown at a blistering pace uh, for many years. So, um, but in, in the most recent quarter, uh, they just produced 19% uh, revenue growth and 100% earnings growth, which sounds pretty good in the grand scheme of things. But um, this actually fell short of their guidance. Yeah, and they were guiding for about 25% top-line growth, so a bit of a disappointment. Um, As we briefly mentioned, there were some concerns back in February when the FDA sent out a warning letter, not a recall as some uh, interpreted it to be, but a warning letter to physicians basically stating that there were some some concerns about the mortality rate associated with their bread-and-butter machine, the um, Impala. So what can you tell us about that, and um, how did you see that play out? In earnings. Yeah. So, as you mentioned, the FDA did send out a letter to providers in February, and unfortunately, the media took note of this, and they basically spread news that the Impella was under a safety recall uh, recall over safety issues. Uh, that turned out to be not the case at all. That was a misinterpretation. But at that point, the company basically spent the last half of the first quarter on damage control, and they basically said that they couldn't get their growth where they needed it to be in time. And they're, they're still actively working through that that issue, and they have seen progress, uh, but that was a major reason why this company failed to meet its guidance for the first time in as long as I've been covering the company. 
Yeah, and it wasn't just the media. I can say in reading that safety letter from the FDA, it was a little confusing because they were quick to point out um, that there was a difference when you were looking at the studies that they used to get this approved versus some of those post-marketing studies that they did. I think there was a 56 percentage point difference between survival rates. It was pretty significant, but the FDA then came back at the end and said, despite that, we still think the Impella has a very favorable risk-benefit profile. Um, and so, basically telling physicians, you know, don't stop prescribing it, but this is something you need to, be, need to be mindful of and something that we're watching. So, I'm sure a lot of confusion just out there in the marketplace as prescribers are trying to figure out what to do with this type of information as they wait. But as you mentioned, Brian, I mean, this is a company that hasn't, you know, just been taking it. Um, they have been trying to do much more of an education and awareness campaign and really about helping phys- physicians determine Who's the right patient for this type of device? And so they're, while they don't know exactly why that difference is there, it was a relatively small sample size in the post-marketing study, the company does believe there's some confounding factors, particularly that the patient base in this post-marketing study was just slightly sicker uh, than what they had in the initial study. So um, that's all to say, still a lot of question marks for this company. I think it'll take some time to play out. But how are you feeling overall about this company, Brian? I know you've been tracking and following this company for a while. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, per- personally, I view this as more of a hiccup than anything else here. Uh, I think that this management team is n- knows exactly what they need to do to get the growth story back on track. And well, you mentioned the the stock price movements over the last you know year to date, and it ha- it hasn't been a pretty 2019. But this company has long traded at a just very very high multiple of earnings and sales. So they were v- they were priced for continued growth and guidance uh, increases. So the fact that they came out with a earnings report that was less than what the market was hoped for. Uh, I, I was actually surprised to see that their stock didn't decline more based on this information. So that tells me that the uh, Wall Street still believes that this company has a substantial amount of growth left ahead of it. And that's what I expect the company to, to still do moving forward. Exactly. And they have a number of products that are in the pipeline. They've got the Impella 5.5, the Impella uh, ECP and a BTR system, as well as just additional enhancements. They're still trying to expand internationally as well. So I do think that this is a blip in their long-term growth story, but uh, we'll be sure to keep eyes on this one for sure. But let's turn our attention to the second company that uh, really took a beating on earnings. This is a lesser-known company, one called Intersect ENT, and that is ticker symbol XENT for our listeners Stock is down uh, about 30% as of this morning. And it's not just about the bad earnings here, Brian. There's a lot going on with this stock. Before we get into earnings, though, I think it's important for our listeners to know exactly what it is this company does. Can you tell tell us what they actually do and how they make money? Yeah, sure. So this is a company that is focused on ear, nose, and throat market. That's the ENT in their name. And they basically make a family of products that treat chronic sinitis, which is like inflamed nasal passages. So they make these devices that are inserted directly into the nasal passage, and they keep it open, almost like a stent in an artery. And while it's in there, it actually slowly delivers a a steroid to the inflamed area. And the combination of having it open opened up, plus a steroid leads to long-lasting results. And some of their products are actually absorbed by the body over time, so it's just a minimally invasive um, procedure to get it in there, and then it provides long-lasting relief. And this is a company that... 
had been growing very rapidly uh, over the last uh, couple years, and they have a multi-billion market do uh, dollar opportunity ahead of them. So this is a company that I was following very closely and was very interested in. Uh, however, the results from this quarter, I think, really raised some question marks about the long-term potential of this business. Yeah, the results and also a change in leadership that, honestly, Brian, has me scratching my head. Um, just looking at some of the headline figures, revenue grew 8%. Beat guidance, um, you've also had some gross margin expansion as well. Um, but operating expenses grew. I suspect this will also be a huge part of their story. Um, looking from the outside in, Brian, I see a company like this that has a device and really devices that really um, have an interesting mechanism of action um, and are pretty innovative. So it's a little surprising to me to not see growth figures in the way that I would expect for this quarter. And more importantly, knowing that they're going to have to beef up their commercial team, I do worry about expenses really overrunning and overtaking top line. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, this is a company that has long touted its market advantage, it's it's innovative products, it's huge opportunity. So to see revenue growth in the single digits is to me very disappointing. I mean this is a, this is a company that should be posting at a minimum of 20% uh, uh, in the in the uh, the double digits. Um, so they their, ex, their, uh, their excuse on this call was that a new product launch was called Sinuva, uh, which they're just in the process of getting out there has been off to a much slower start than what they originally focused on and they were they invested heavily ahead of the the launch here in an effort to drive growth. So as a result of their really poor first quarter results, not only did their uh, net loss expand, but they cut their guidance for the year. So they were previously calling for $123 million to $127 million, and that was reduced down to a, uh, by $10 million to $113 to $117 million. But uh, as we teased uh, a little bit earlier, the big news to me here is that the longtime CEO, uh, a lady named Lisa Earnhardt, announced that she was leaving the company after 11 years with it, to take a leadership position at Abbott Laboratories. And that really had my scratching my head because it's not often that you see the CEO of a supposed high growth, very innovative company choosing to enter middle management of a established medical device maker. Exactly. It does not leave you with any sort of confidence um, in the management team at this point. It's particularly about the direction of this company. Um, in listening to the conference call for earnings, they talked a lot about reimbursement issues and really the inefficiency of trying to get their products reimbursed. A lot of the physicians' offices, this is a, um, an outpatient um, procedure that's done, but a lot of these physicians are using this buy and bill system. And so there's some hurdle to get a lot of these doctors' offices to do the buy and bill. Um, and so the company now is really focused on beefing up its reimbursement specialist um, as opposed to sales. They really want the sales force to be focused on selling the benefits of this device and less on a lot of the back office trying to get these patients started. Um, and so basically, they're, they're calling it a reshuffle of their commercial team. Um, but there's still some skepticism, though, because these aren't necessarily new issues. Um, over the past nine months or so, they've been dealing with this reimbursement overhang. Um, and so I, I, I think in looking at where they're going and how they're trying to tackle the problem, and now with the CEO leaving, I'm not as confident that they've got a clear strategy outlined for the way forward.
Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And it is possible that a new management team could come in and rejuvenate the business, uh, make changes to the sales team, get, get the growth story back on track. But for me now, I have, I have more questions than answers about this business. So I used to be very excited about it, but uh, the, the recent results out of this company really have me questioning uh, the bull thesis for this stock. Yeah, and it's not just about getting past the approval line. It's also about commercial viability, something that we talk a lot about on this show. Um, but on the other side of the break, we're going to turn the tables, talk about some winners coming out of earnings. But first, a quick word from our friends at Clear. Thanks to Clear for supporting Industry Focus. Clear uses your eyes and fingertips instead of traditional ID documents to get you through security faster at airports and stadiums. It helps you reduce stress. Clear gets you through security with the top of your fingers so you can get to your gate faster and reduce pre-flight stress. You are essentially your ID. Clear replaces the need for physical ID cards using your eyes and fingertips to get you through security because you truly are the best ID out there. They also have family plans. If you're traveling with your family, you can add up to three adult family members at a discounted rate. And for all the parents out there, kids under 18 are free, something I'm sure we can all appreciate. Right now, listeners of the show can get their first two months of Clear for free by going to clearme.com slash fool2019 and using the promo code fool2019. That's clear, C-L-E-A-R-M-E dot com slash fool2019 with promo code fool2019 for your free two months of Clear. All right, we're back. And so, as with every earnings season, there are winners and there are losers, but there's always some standouts, and that's what we're diving into next. Um, we've got two companies posting some pretty impressive stats. Let's start with the first, and that's insulin pump maker Insulin Corporation. That's ticker symbol PODD for our listeners out there. Stock is up nearly 20% off of earnings, Brian. Um, this is a space I know that you know better than anybody out there. You worked in the uh, med device space for what was it, about a decade or so? I, I worked for Insulet Corporation there for 10 go. years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm really curious to hear what did you think about their earnings this particular quarter? Yeah, I mean, the, they just knocked the cover off the ball basically all around. We saw sales growth of 29% that was ahead of their guidance and ahead of the street estimates. We saw their gross margin uh, ticked up. We saw earnings per share on the bottom line. That was a, a multi-million dollar beat. And uh, on top of all that, they increased their guidance uh, for the full year by by a few million dollars. So it, it, the, the port was pretty much spotless uh, across the board. And uh, beyond that, they, they reaffirmed their, their long long-term guidance for uh, 2021. So this is a company that's targeting $1 billion in revenue, 70% gross margin, which would be continued expansion, and a, a mid-teens operating margin. So they reaffirmed that on, on the quarter call. Basically, it was a great report all around. No, it, no surprise to see the stock was up huge in response. No, no surprise there. And just impressive stats when you just consider how competitive this space is especially going up against the likes of Medtronic and also Tandem, um, who we covered in earnings last week as well. They also posted some pretty impressive numbers. Also showing they're encroaching on Medtronic space. Um, but Insulet doesn't have its own automated system just yet. Is that is that right, Brian? That's something yeah. potentially on the way that could make that $1 billion in revenue all the more attainable, right? 
right? That is completely true. Yeah, I mean, these guys do but go up directly with Tandem Diabetes, and Tandem just posted spectacular results, uh, too. You guys covered them on the show last week. So it is so nice to see that yet another company in this space is also doing well. Um, so it just tells me that the category itself is is growing very quickly. But to your point, yes, in Insulet is, uh, does not have an automated uh, insulin delivery system as of yet. That product should be on uh, available within about a year or so. So they are qu a little bit behind on that. But clearly, that is not holding them back because this is a company that makes a insulin pump that is worn on the body that does not have any tubing. And just the appeal of a uh, system that is completely wireless, uh, which is, makes them stand out from the, uh, the competition, is clearly leading to uh, str strong growth without that key feature. Yeah, and I continue to, to say it. I know I've said it a number of times on the show before, but I mean, the diabetes space, just in terms of innovation with wearable tech that's actually driving health outcomes is pretty remarkable. I don't think it gets nearly the amount of love and appreciation that it should because these companies are really on the forefront of that. We'll come to a point where literally on your Apple Watch, you'll be able to not only track your glucose readings, but an algorithm will be able to then drive exactly how much insulin you're getting. And this will all be completely automated, really taking away a lot of the pain and inconvenience that a lot of these systems and just uh, overall paradigms have right now. Yeah, I t totally agree. Uh, the next couple of years should be very exciting in this space, and people with diabetes have a, a lot to look forward to. But yeah, I, I agree. The the general the med tech companies that compete in the diabetes space don't get enough attention from investors, but a lot of them have been tremendous winners. Yeah, huge winners, especially for 2018. All right, let's uh, round things out with our last med tech earnings winner, and that's a company called Novacure. That's ticker symbol NVCR. Um, this is a company that's been paving the way uh, really in the fight against cancer, making its mark by treating uh, one of the more aggressive forms of cancer, uh, brain cancer, glioblastoma, um, with a technology that's really centered around, of all things, electrical fields, Brian. Catch all of our listeners up to speed. What is their tech and how in the world are they doing this? Yeah, this is this is the company that I've followed with great interest for a number of years, and I've actually talked about several times in the show before. But this is this is a very odd duck medtech company. They make a medical device that uses electric fields to inhibit cell division and fight uh, cancerous tumors. So their device is used alongside standard of care chemotherapy, radiation uh, therapy to improve uh, health outcomes. And it's basically a, a it looks like a, a swimming cap that you put on your head. It has some wires on it, and while you wear it, it inhibits cell division in, in tumors and fights, a uh, as of right now, a deadly form of brain cancer called glioblastoma multiform. Um, and it has, this company has just thrown up unbelievable uh, growth over the last couple of years uh, as more and more providers have been willing to use this oddball therapy uh, to, treat, um, to treat cancer. And we saw a continuation of that um, in the first quarter. So revenue growth was up 40%, uh, strong growth in the US and in inter international markets, uh, specifically Japan and uh, Germany. Uh, we saw gross margin expansion. Uh, their net loss dropped by almost half to $12 million. And that's notable because this is a company that is significantly uh, ramping up exp spending on R&D. 
Uh, with this company being centered around the solid tumor indication, so you mentioned uh, the glioblastoma indication, um, they've got a pipeline lined up of you know going after pancreatic cancer, ovarian cancer, lung cancer. Solid tumors are really the holy grail of many of these biopharma companies that are trying to come out with innovative therapies. These solid tumors are really complex, and oftentimes it's not a one-and-done treatment or a one-size-fits-all treatment. And so they haven't had a whole lot of luck in the solid tumor indication. So to see a company like this with an electrical field technology, basically leveraging physics um, to, in many cases, shrink the size of tumors, um, is giving hope to a lot of patients, especially in glioblastoma. This is oftentimes where you know patients are literally counting the days or the weeks in terms of survival. This is a technology, the Optune system, that is giving them more months to live. Um, so really impressive tech. Um, I'll be really curious to see just logistically how their tech works with some of these other indications. It's one thing when you put on you know a, a skull cap, if you will, that has electrodes. It's a whole other thing when you're trying to treat pancreatic and ovarian cancer with this technology. But um, to have something separate from the standard chemo, radiation, and surgery. In some cases, you know, it's a supplement to those things, but to have something new with potentially less side effects, less complications, is truly innovative in a space where cancer continues to be the number one killer in the world. Yeah, totally. And and uh, you mentioned it uh, before, but another big thing that happened this quarter um, was they moved their uh, ovarian cancer study into uh, phase three trials. So now that is their fourth clinical study that's studying Optune as, uh, in, in phase three. So they now are in phase three studies with uh, brain metastases, lung cancer, pancreatic cancer, and ovarian cancer. All of those markets dwarf the brain cancer uh, market. I mean, they are just enormous. So if the company can have success in any of those indications, uh, the, the addressable market for this company uh, just explodes. And in, in the meantime, uh, the other exciting thing to note about this company is they are currently pending FDA approval for uh, mesothelioma, and that is a cancer that if, if they can win it, is a very small market. Um, so the, the revenue upside potential from that potential approval isn't that game-changing. But what, what the big thing for investors would be, it would be their first indication uh, that they could potentially win outside of brain cancer and really prove out that the therapy can be used in other areas of the body beyond the brain. So all, all in all, uh, t- tons to like here. All right, Brian. So of these two, who's your, who's your top winner from earnings so far? Well, if I had to pick between these two, I, I think I would have to say Insulet because they've already crossed over into the uh, the net income positive category, and they're posting that incredible growth without a uh, an artificial pancreas basal adjustment feature. Uh, so I could see easily see that number accelerating uh, once they become competitive with there, as we've seen with uh, with uh, Tandem's numbers just exploding. Um, so if if I had to, if I had to pick, I would say that they're the the bigger winner between the two. Um, but there's no doubt that both of these companies have have very bright futures ahead. Yeah, totally agree. No bias there, right? With insulin, right? No, no, but no bias, none. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, that will do it for this week's Industry Focus Healthcare Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan for Brian Feroldi. I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening, and full on. 